Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. And so it begins. The beginning of the B&E Podcast. And where shall we begin? With a topic, Brandon. And what is our topic? Where to begin when you don't know where to start. That's what we're talking about today. And I always find these ones great. People seem to like uh, when we get into stuff like this. Some of our most popular podcasts that we've done were... um, uh, what to do when you don't feel like doing anything. And, um, when everything's a slog and a struggle, people seem to like these things about like <laughs> when things aren't going great, <laughs> cause let's face it as artists, <laughs> we're often find ourselves in these places. And, um, you know, it's, it's an important thing for us to talk about because I don't think it's necessary for us to be like this all the time. So we figure out, um, some constructive ways to work through, you know, these little dips in the road as it were. Uh, so yeah. And, and a lot of times we get into these conversations because that's literally what's happening with us. So that's what, that's what is happening with us right now. We've been sitting around talking about like, what the hell are we going to talk about? Yeah. Coming up with a topic. We're like, well, we could talk about some movies and we're like, nah, we couldn't decide on, we couldn't decide on what movies we wanted to talk about. And then we just needed to talk about something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes it's its own form of inspiration for a conversation. So where yeah. to begin when you don't know where to start? I don't know where to start. <laughs> where do we begin? Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, also for someone clicking on this particular episode. It's like, you have one of those days where you're like, ah, oh, man, I should do this. Or I want to do this. I don't really want to do this. I don't really, yeah. Like, maybe I'll listen to a podcast today. This is probably going to be a good one. I, I don't know for sure, but, um, I think we'll discover it as we go. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of like, really, honestly, that's kind of where, where I'm at even with the podcast. <laughs> I was almost like, eh, maybe we won't even do it, but I like, I don't like to, I don't like to bail on, on, you know, our commitment to do yeah. the podcast. Right. And I think it's funny because sometimes we do these ones that we think are not going to be all that great. And they turn out to be kind of, you know, really yeah. special because we pushed through and figured it out. Yeah. That and, can be and really fascinating. And it's not just an idea. I think what's neat is that we're actually working through it ourselves. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we can, yeah. So we're, <laughs> I love it. Well, so, so where do we, where do we, cause like, I yeah. know I've got a few ideas about this. I know that I have a few thoughts on this, some things that through the podcast that we've, we've talked about and through my own experience of things that are useful. Um, and the biggest thing that I'll say 
at least off the top of my head right now that I can think of in terms of this whole, when you're having trouble getting started, where do you begin? Um, my first sort of piece of advice, if I would ever claim to give such a thing, (laughs) I don't really like to give advice, but I give suggestions, some, some thoughts, some ideas, um, is that typically in my own experience, if I'm having a hard time getting started, it's usually because I'm thinking about it way too much. Hmm. I was going to say that like, you know, as a writer, cause I write every single day, I'm going to hit five years pretty soon, just a few months away, five years, never miss a single day. And there have been a lot of days where I did not want to write. I'll tell you, Yeah. but I'll write no matter what. And, uh, early on, one of the things that I did was I used to call this exercise, the beast where I would write out whatever I was thinking about. That was a negative thought. Like, uh, you know, like you're going to write shit today. Nothing's going to work. You're a terrible writer. Who are you kidding? All this, whatever, just yeah. write it all out. That's what I would write. Cause I'm like, well, if that's what my mind is telling me, I, I can write that down. And like, I think that, you know, that's, that's where you start. You start where you're at, you know, you start with what you're dealing with. And, and what yeah. I found was usually after about five, 10, 15 minutes of writing out the beast, I got fed up of writing up, writing out the beast. Cause you know, all those thoughts, you, you think they're never ending, but they'll eventually you'll start to go like, well, I can't write it again. I don't, I already wrote it. Like, like, yeah. you know, and you're, you're like, at least I found my mind will go somewhere else. And I've done this exercise with countless writers and they always say the same thing. And also it was the same for me and the feedback I always gets the same too from them, which is that you, you only write out the beast for like maybe a week, maybe a couple weeks. And then you, even after that, now you don't want to write it out anymore. Not because just cause you get tired of writing out the same nonsense. And once it's on the page, it's not as such a big deal. Yeah. So I think like we're starting in the right place with this podcast by literally talking about the fact that we don't know where to start. Yes. You know, and, yeah. and like, I think, you, you know, you kind of talk a bit about this in Meisner, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like when you're acting too, is like, you've got to be where you're actually at, right? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, you can emotionally prep and do as much as you possibly can, but when you walk through the door, you are where you are. There's yeah. no like, you know, you don't just be like, this is wrong. Right. Like, and yeah. I think that's the thing that's hard for me right now is that I'm coming into this podcast going like, well, where I'm at is wrong. Yes. And so I think like the first thing I'm realizing, I'm just kind of going back to basic principles is that maybe where I'm at is perfectly fine. Maybe this is really good thing. And maybe if I just own it and start right here, whatever this is, this will go somewhere. So I think that's the first most important thing we can share. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is accepting where you're at. And, um, and yeah, and I think in some ways it, it, it kind of works with as well, like, in terms of what I was saying of, of usually thinking too much, you know, you're just thinking way too much. And, and I think it goes along to what you're saying is that there's a lot of, um, is the judgment about it. You know, it's like, uh, you know, being where you're at without a judgment about where you're being at, because usually, yeah, it's like, it's, you have this thing. This is kind of, I guess what we're assuming at the start of this conversation is that you're an artist and you have something that you're doing. You have something you're working on. You're writing music. You're writing a book. You're writing a screenplay. You are 
um, starting an acting career. You're, yeah, you're taking pictures or you're photography. You know, like you're you're building your portfolio. You're doing there's there's stuff that you have in front of you. Um, a canvas. Yes, <laughs> you have this thing because you love what you do, hopefully, or you want and to do it. Yeah, and you want to do it. Um, there, you have this thing inside you and, and that's typically why you become an artist. You have this thing inside you and you want to do it. And now there's all of this shit that's in the way of doing it. And that's kind of what happens when you don't know where to start. And it's usually a whole lot of judgment, a whole lot of shit that we've placed between ourselves and, and doing it. And there's a lot of thoughts, which is why I said like, usually I'm just thinking too much about it. I've got some idea about what is ideal. You know, I'm judging. It's like, Oh, I'm not in the right place to be doing this or I'm not in the whatever. And it's like, you don't really know whether or not you're in the right place to be doing something or not. Um, as opposed to just, yeah, like really accepting where you're at and saying like, okay, yeah, this is just how I feel right now. And it's, it's no different than if you felt, super inspired to go ahead and do it. Like you don't, whether you feel like super inspired or not, I don't know if that necessarily translates consistently into the quality of your work. I think the quality of your work depends on you just showing up to do it. Mm. Um, so I, I would say, stop thinking about it so much and stop judging about where you're supposed to be or what you think it's supposed to be at the moment and, and get on with it. Mm. Just get on with it. And maybe it's going to be shit, except that it's going to be shit. You have to accept the possibility that what you're going to do is shit in order to actually not create shit. Yeah. But you have to, I think really fully embrace that that is possibility. Like you have to be able to accept that you can fail, that you could, and again, fail is to me a bit of a, an obscure word, um, in terms of creation. Like it's, it's a little like, well, like, what is that even like what, like the only real failure is you not doing it. You're not at least taking a stab at it. Right. And I'm not saying it's like, you've got to make it painful on yourself. You don't have to make it painful what I'm trying to say is actually making it less painful by not thinking about it so hard, Mm. you know, like being attached to some idea that you have of what it's supposed to be. When you can let those things go, you can really just focus on the act of doing it more so, but it's like, it's always those results. I think this, when you got your mind on something that comes after the doing of it, you know, the fruits of your, of your efforts. And we don't control that, which is why it's like, it's a great thing to, as artists, you immediately start to address when you are focused on, on the, some sort of result or some sort of an idea of what, of what you have of this thing being. Hmm. I, you know, I'm just going to, yeah, just, I'm just lumping all of that into the, (laughs) into this one right away. (laughs) Well, I do think that we as creatives want to, I I think most of our art, at least what, when we usually launch off was probably from a place of inspiration or a place of joy or a place of like 
playfulness or something. Yeah. And so I think as artists, it's hard for us when we become professionals because now we're not just doing it for fun or because we're inspired. We're doing it because we actually like have set something to make. And, and, um, I think when you're younger, you can play and kind of be inspired and you're not too worried about getting it wrong or doing anything wrong, or you're not too worried about the quality as much. Um, you don't have as many judgments. And I think these judgments later in the quality control that we try to put on is good in some ways, but I think only writing when you're inspired or feeling playful is greatly limiting for any artist in any medium. And I think that, you know, we do have to figure out how do we show up and do our job and do our thing even when we don't feel like it. Um, yeah, I shared on the last podcast. I might as well just mention now I wouldn't help my dad for the last few days. Yeah. And you know, we were driving around, we were doing stuff and you know, a lot of the time I was, he was off doing his thing. I was waiting in the car, whatever. It was fine. But I brought my materials to write. And so I'm in the car and there's only one time I got to basically sneak away for an hour and go to a cafe, which is probably my most productive time of all. But yeah, um, it was hard to, to do really great writing in a scenario where I kept kind of being interrupted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the alternative was don't write at all. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep working at it. And, you know, I'd say like the moment I got like an hour away at the cafe was probably the best writing I did over the last couple of days. And it was yeah. really this one little magic hour. It wasn't even really an hour. And then after that, I got another, I got another hour in another place where I got to kind of sit down. And there's something about kind of being in a, a bit of a like controlled circumstance for a little bit more of an extended time, um, and having some space, you know, I was like, cause a lot of the time I was in the car writing. So I was like writing on yeah. a laptop in my lap, yeah. but like at a cafe, like I literally took over a corner of the cafe. I just put out all my computers and everything and my <laughs> coffee and, you know, it's just like kind of glorious. Right. And so those were obviously ideal. Um, but I think there was a lot of really good work that happened while I was just in the car and, and, uh, you know, and I don't think it was necessarily my best, but it, it attributed to the, the, you know, what I've done. And and I do have a goal. I want to get this script done. You know, I, I I only have, you know, about four days, four or five days left to get it done. So, you know, it's important that I really, you know, buckle down. Um, and also I got to a certain point where I started writing, uh, I was sharing this with you before personally, but I got to a certain point with the script and it's not much that I wrote, but I could see I was going off. I could see I was going right off course and I could feel it. And I knew. And so I just was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta stop. I gotta stop writing right now. Yeah. And I really wanted to keep writing. I wanted, I, I had, I had time ahead of me. I felt like, okay, now I got my final, finally a window. And I was just, I knew it was off. Yeah. And I think that's just as important. Sometimes the best way to start anything is to figure out when to stop and like take a breath and like start maybe doing something else. And so I went and I walked away and I thought about it. Yeah. And then in the time I thought about it, now I'm coming back to, I'm going, good thing I stopped. I was really going off course, but that's all part of the process. Right. I think it's, it's, I mean, that's an important thing to be aware of, of when to step back. But the thing is you don't know when to step back until you've actually stepped up. Yes. You got to be in it. You can't just be like, Oh, I don't feel like writing today. And then just don't, yeah. you got to like it's start like, and try. Yeah. Cause you don't know. Right. But then you get into it and you might do it and dabble. 
but then you might get into it in a bit and then you go, okay, yeah, maybe, whatever. Cause that's exactly the thing. It's like, you don't, you don't know. You make such a good point. Like you, you have absolutely no idea, um, what's going to happen no matter whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever sort of story you're telling yourself about whatever situation, place, circumstance you're in at the moment. But something I, I do believe that something happens when you show up to do it, no matter what it ends up coming out of it. If you continue to just show up and do a little bit of something, you're, you keep the momentum going, you know, and I like to, to use that word for all sorts of things that I try and, and create a practice of in my life, which is just keep the, keep some momentum happening, no matter, no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be earth shattering, but just keep it going. You want to keep a, a, a you know, an exercise, you know, regimen going or something. Sometimes like it's, you know, that can be something that's, that's hard. It's not always, you know, like I'm putting in like an hour every single day, but it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe this date was in an hour, it was an hour. And then the next day I'm like, I don't, really feel like doing it. I don't feel like I have the energy to give it a full hour. That's when I take the pressure off of myself. I'm like, well, you don't have to do an hour. I say, you know what, here's what you're going to do. I'm like, I'm going to do, uh, you know, like a set of pull-ups I'm going to do, or, or like two sets of pull-ups, two sets of, of, of push-ups, and you know, like, and some crunches. I'm like, Oh, that's easy. I can like, I can bang that out in like 10 minutes or less. Right. And sometimes that will be all that it will be, but I'm keeping the momentum going, right. I'm keeping the practice going of, of keeping that movement happening. Hmm. Right. And so it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but I'm showing up. And then the next day you put in a little bit more, but it's not always, it doesn't always look the same, but showing up is, is so important. And I think it's about taking off a lot of the expectation of what it's supposed to be out of the equation. Mm. I think so much of this whole thing, the problem with getting started is this is maybe just uh, another way of me saying what I've already said, but it's, it really is getting out of our own way. It really is removing the mental barriers that we're having around it, which are mostly made up. Mm. Uh, which is why, you know, we talk about these things like, except where you're at, except where you're at. We're just going to like keep repeating the same things until people, <laughs> until, until we, you know, Preach. really sink this, <laughs> get, this is all really sinks in, but it's like, you don't, you don't know what's going to come out of it. Like I've had days where I've, I've sat down to work, you know, like on a script or something or working on a monologue and I don't feel like doing it. Like I just feel like I've got nothing. I, I like my energy is low. I'm just tired. I want to sit on the couch and, and watch TV, but I decide that I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put a little bit in because partially because that there's, I get a sense of reward out of that. out of still of at least saying like, well, at least I showed up no matter how little the time might have been for that day. I showed up. The thing is, is that it's usually nine times out of 10, I show up for a little bit more than I, than 
I even set myself up for, Mm. right? Even if it was a little, it's like, okay, you know what? I'll sit down. I'll give it like, you know, I'll, I'll put something down. I'll put something down, anything. Mm. I'll, I'll write, you know, I'll, I'll put in like 10 minutes or something, 10 minutes. That's it. And it usually ends up going longer than that. And something very often really great ends up happening because of it. You end up finding some inspiration because, you know, this thing that you're doing, yeah, there was probably something that inspired it at the, at the start. That's why you're doing it. There's something you were inspired in a moment and you had this thing and you're like, I'm doing this. That initial point of inspiration doesn't just necessarily sustain you through the whole thing. If it does happen, then fucking great. Ride that, that wave all the way. Then you you don't need to listen to this podcast right now. Yeah. (laughs) If you're inspired, if you're inspired, if you can just like ride an inspiration wave from start to finish, that's incredible, but it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare that that happens. It, and I think that inspiration continues to show up when you show up but it's not going to continually just be waiting for you there. You kind of have to meet it halfway after you've got that initial hit. It's like you got that initial hit. Now you've got to, you've got to meet it halfway the rest of the way of the way there. That's typically how it goes in my, in my experience of it. Hmm. But if you're just going to wait for you to continually feel, Oh, inspired. Yes. All right. I feel inspired again and start working. You're like, it's, you're never going to get it done or it's never going to get done in a timely fashion. You know, and if you're a professional, you know, some things are going to take some time. Yeah. You know, like there, some things are going to take some time, but some things have like kind of a date that it needs to, it needs to happen by right. Roughly. Yeah. You want it, you want to be you want to be creating things. You want to be putting things out there. Um, so this process is something you, that I think we need to start getting familiar with something that we need to start getting comfortable with. And, and that's showing up no matter what we're feeling. And that's, that's not about being like a, uh, really, you know, like a drill sergeant on yourself but it's about creating yourself, creating a functional system, a functional way of working for you. And it doesn't, and it it can be very simple. And I think this actually kind of rolls into, uh, our goals and how we set up our goals as well, which could be something interesting to talk about as well for, for our artists in terms of making winnable goals as well. Yeah. Is, is, I mean, I think part of what I've been talking about here is somewhat about that making winnable goals, you know, like let's just like lower the bar (laughs) a little bit and make it something that we can win, making it something that we can achieve. Even if that is saying, all right, I'm going to give this 10, 15 minutes. And if nothing comes out, then nothing comes out, but you showed up. And usually something comes out most often yeah. something happens, right? But that's because you show up 
and the inspiration will show up because you did. Right. But yeah, I forget sometimes that, you know, part of being a writer is being able to stare at the blank page. Mm. And I've always found that if I stare at the blank page long enough, something usually comes out. And usually I think that's, I think that's the difference between if like, if you want to be a writer or not, at least on the writing front is, are you willing to stare at the blank page? But I guess it's like that with anything. I mean, painting, are you willing to stare at the blank canvas with the musician? Are you willing to, you know, look into the abyss or, 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 or listen to the silence, you know, and just sit there with your instrument? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to do that? I mean, that's really probably what is the difference, right? Yeah. But, um, a friend of mine pointed out the other day, they said, you know, patience isn't the same as waiting. Mm. And you said, uh, you know, it takes yeah. time and it's true. It takes time, but patience isn't the same as waiting. It's not about waiting. It's about being patient. It's about showing up and being patient. You know, the thing is, is like, you're not being patient if you don't even try. And I think sometimes people think, yeah. oh, I'm so patient. It's like, you're not even trying. That's not patience. That's distraction. Yeah. Patience is like, I'm like sitting here, I'm looking at this blank page. I don't like, I wrote fade in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, maybe I wrote the, the, where the scene happens and I don't know. And then There's, I'm like, and then I'm waiting, I'm waiting for something yeah. or it's like, I wrote like kind of what's hap- happening. I don't have the first line of dialogue and you're, and you're not waiting, but you're being patient It's coming yeah. and it will. And, and that's the thing is I think, I think when you don't know where to begin, you don't know where to start. It's about being patient. It's about showing up, being there, hanging in that pocket, waiting for this thing to happen, you know, but you got to be doing it. You can't, you can't be off like going, I'm just going to watch TV or do this other thing for a while. You got to like be there. You got to be present. And that's where patience exists. Yeah. Patience doesn't exist when you're not present. And I think that's a really important, like, that was a really good reminder for me. I mean, I think that's the big thing that I would want to say, like, again, you know, a couple of big things here off the top, be begin where you are and be patient. You have to begin where you are and then be patient to be in that. Yeah. And that just takes time. Patience is, yeah. Like there is a, there is a difference. Like in some regards, yeah, there is a level of, of waiting in patience, but patience is a little bit, it's somewhat, it's somewhat active still. Like it is like you say, it's presence and it's focus at the same time. Like you are, you're still focused and you're remaining aware and open to whatever is going to show up as opposed to waiting. Mm. Like I'm waiting, you know, which is full of sort of, um, there's kind of a, a, a pressure and an expectation on waiting. You know, it's like, how long am I going to be waiting where patience is a little bit like, okay, I'm here and I'm, I'm listening. I'm yeah. Waiting also seems passive. Whereas like yeah. being patient is like you're active, but you're like, you're, you're, you're active, but you're hanging in there. I mean, yeah. patience is kind of like, you know, without forcing, yeah, you know, like without trying to forcing waiting is kind of trying to force something to happen where patience is like an unforced focus on something. I think of waiting, like waiting is like waiting for someone else to do it or something else to do it for yeah. me. Whereas patience is like, 
I'm taking my time to find the right opportunity. You know, when I used to play like soccer, I used to play hockey, um, and I, and I was playing up front, people would say, you know, you're so patient, but I really was patient in front of that. Sometimes too much, but patient to the point where I would come up and I would wait. I, I would, I remember there's a lot of times where I'd be up against that goalkeeper and I would just keep going. I would keep going. And there, there's something about waiting, you know, like in that, but you're, you're looking for that opportunity where the, the net will just open. Something will change. And sometimes you miss it, but patience can be a really great virtue to have. And sometimes it's about just fire that shot. Just be immediate, right? Yeah. But sometimes it's about just hanging in there and it takes a tremendous amount of trust, mm-hmm. you know, because like, I just want people to try this on who maybe haven't played sports. Anyone who's played sports, who knows what I'm talking about, they know exactly what I'm talking about. You're in front of net, you have a shot and you, you, you have a shot and the defenseman's closing in on you. Things are, you know, most people want to take that shot. We, we want to take that shot. Sometimes we take it and it gets saved or we miss or, or something happens. And we think, man, if only I just waited a little bit longer. If only I just hung in there a little longer, I would have had it. You know, I rushed it. And then sometimes it's the reverse where we're like being so patient. We're like unwilling to take the shot. And I think that, you know, it's that this is the part of artistry, which is hard for us, you know, mm-hmm. and this is where I think the pros, like the, the exceptional really shine. And I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not saying like I was like, you know, the top players, like, you know, in the premier league or whatever league or NHL, I'm not saying like I, I had that level or that caliber and my own experience of it. But I think as artists, you know, like we look at maybe the top people in our field watch, you'll probably see that they demonstrate patience in some way at some point. Yeah. And I think that that didn't just happen in that moment that probably happened many, many times before, but you're just getting this moment to witness it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's like patience could be like, as a painter, I'd even imagine like you take a brush stroke and instead of ending it, you keep going with it a little bit longer. You ride it out mm. a little bit or, or I've, I've seen musicians do this. They'll play like a, a tune and it will like, they won't quite close it off before they move to the next one as quickly, yeah. you know, and you see this, you hear this sometimes, right? I think this is kind of like what we're talking about is like, you, you're, you're doing it, but you're not rushing to the next thing yet. You're not like, things don't have to change just immediately. Yeah. You know, like when we started this, we were in a certain tune, we were in a certain way and we're like, oh, fuck, I don't know where to go. Yeah. And then we kind of, we kind of sat in it. We kind of did it. And now look where we are, right? Like who the hell knows what's going to happen next? Yeah. <laughs> Conversations moving. Yeah. The topic is, is alive and well and active and, and lots of things happening. It's very my, uh, after we had a great podcast on our last one here. Mm. Um, I can't remember what we ended up calling our last one now. I don't remember either. Um, it was a feel gooder. It was a good one. Just, yeah. it was the previous one to this, uh, yeah. episode 126. Um, and also I was going to say, um, patience is the key to process. That was another episode that we had done while oh, yeah. that was really quite good. Um, That's in the on 90s. That topic. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so, it just came out recently. Something like that. Um, but my fiance was saying, she's like, and, and my fiance, she's, she's like, man, she loves diving into the, you know, her, so it's like, but she loves like the whole creative soup and the creative process and how, you know, the whole mysterious nature of it all. And she had said, said, because, 
when I came home, she's like, how was the podcast? And I was like, oh, it was great. We had this awesome chat and whatever. And uh, we were talking a little bit about it. And she just said, she's like, you know, she's like, she's like, you know, you guys are just like, you guys are just like channeling, right? Like <laughs> when, when you're having a lot of these conversations, and I said, oh, that's an interesting way of, of, you know, putting it and seeing it, right? Like when it just starts to you show up and then these things just start to kind of happen and we don't always know what's going to come, come out. Uh, and you had even, uh, said, I don't even know if we, that was actually recorded or if that was post podcast, but you were talking about listening to some of our old stuff every now and then just, just like, Oh yeah, I remember that one. That was a good one. And you know, you listen back to it and this feeling of being like, I know this is us. I know that that's me speaking right now but there's a degree of which like, but I feel like I'm listening to somebody else. Like I know that I'm, I said this and I know that like, yeah, this, you go like, I know this is like something I would say. These are kinds of the things that I talk about, but there's a way that it's put that you just go, I don't really know where that came from necessarily because we discover stuff. I I know I discover stuff in the middle of saying it. Yeah. Like I, 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 just had some sort of thing entered into my awareness and it just starts finding a way to come out verbally. You know what I mean? Like the whole process of thought turning into like words and shaping it into something, right? Like that's, that's kind of where it all is because this is, I'm, I might be diving into crazy corner here now. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you know, when you think of the whole way of, of thought into expression, thought and feeling into expression, you know, it's like, well, what is that necessarily? Do we, because sometimes the thought enters and it's not, there are no words for it, you know, and our, that goes with our experience. There's no words for it. We're having the experience of it. And then we just use words to try and give it some form and shape to be communicated. Right. Yeah. And sometimes that's like what it feels like it happens in this podcast. It's what it feels like when you're in the creative space, when you're, when you're, you know, acting, you're writing, you're whatever, it's something hits you that is there. There's no, there's no real words for it. There's no real anything to it other than just an experience of something some idea, some thought that's kind of taken a hold of you. And then it's about trying to express it in some way. And that happens in the middle of of sentences sometimes. Totally. You know, I heard it actually said that words are basically like how you decide to dress uh, an idea or concept or experience. So it's like, when you leave your house today, are you going to wear a dress shirt or t-shirt, blue jeans or dress pants, dress shoes or casual shoes, whatever, right? Mixed match, shorts, pants, whatever. And so when we choose our words, we kind of dress up the experience we're trying to talk about and we might communicate it in a way we've never dressed it, you know? And so, uh, we might've never seen it that way until we said it and dressed it up. And then we're like, Whoa, as I'm saying this, I never really, like I kind of had the experience of it, but it was naked, Mm -hmm. you know, and now it's kind of 
I'm, I'm seeing a certain side of it, you know, or an angle of it, you know, is this kind yeah. of one way to look at it. Another thing I wanted to say about the channeling thing is that I think also channeling can be kind of a, a wonderful discovery. You don't realize you're making until you're all already kind of doing it. Like for example, this script I'm writing. So the first scene takes place where we're introduced to our main character and he's standing in front of like a shop and he's looking at like what looks to be like a mannequin with like a really nice like outfit. And he's just staring and there's like not a lot happening, but we're getting a lot of little things from him as this is going on. It's kind of like a lot in direction that will be done. Yeah. And a lot of in micro, micro acting, I suppose you could say, right? Where yeah. It's like not dialogue driven. It's just yeah. in character, like living and you kind of yeah, stuff. Nuanced stuff. Yeah. And so he's looking at this thing he's staring there for quite a long time. You're kind of like, okay, like what's, should I be seeing what he's seeing? Like what's going on for him? And then you're just picking up information. And then he looks down below this really nice suit and he sees this piece of trash on the ground. And he starts looking at this piece of trash that someone discarded, like right out front of this nice shop. And he's looking at that for a bit and you're kind of like, okay. And then eventually he picks up that piece of trash, holds in his hand, looks at it, walks down the street. And then kind of almost has a relationship with it and then tosses it into the can and then walks over to the street corner and he's about to cross the road. This is like a whole, this is like a whole page, maybe yeah. a page and a half of stuff that's happening. Right. And you're kind of following this guy, kind of like watching him do all this stuff. And then all of a sudden someone calls his name and he turns around and there's like a busy street. So there's people passing by or whatever. And he's like, you know, and then he sees, and he sees that it's this girl who's the other, you know, person in the story. And she says hello to him and all this, you know, and whatever. And then almost immediately when she's talking, she's like, um, she says something about, I don't remember how I wrote it exactly, but she says something about thinking he had saw her in the store. And he's like, Oh no, I was looking at a suit or whatever. Yeah. And then, so she's like, Oh, and he's like, but it's nice to see you. Right. And they're kind of like, and they start this whole conversation. This is the whole movie starts out of this. Mm -hmm. But what's, going to be revealed later, spoiler alert, is that he did see her, but we never knew. Right. It's all hidden. Right. But this discovery kind of came out because I never intended him seeing her in this, in this shop. I just wanted him to be window shopping and looking at this attire, which is much different than his own because he's like wearing like more scruffier, I don't know, not scruffy, but like more lower, uh, caliber clothing, I suppose. Anyway, yeah. so anyway, it comes out later that he did actually see her, but he didn't, you know, he didn't want to talk to her. He's, you know, because the way yeah. it ended and whatnot. And so anyway, they end up, you know, this play goes on and you end up finding out that he did it's a little detail, but that was kind of like one of those things where it's like, what a wonderful little discovery for me to have as the writer, because I didn't actually intend for him to see her. Yeah. He just happened to. And yeah. he, he actually didn't intend to talk to her or anything. He literally just picked up the trash and was going to walk off regardless. And it wasn't yeah. her seeing him was got it's, her to run out and get, get yeah. him, but he didn't intend on that. So that's the kind of little magic about how the whole yeah. thing started. I, right? I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. This is to me like the little things that I love about, uh, about storytelling and the, and the creative process is these little things that happen is because that's, it's such a small, it's a, such a seemingly small thing. It's like, and to a lot of people it'd be like, well, whatever. It's like Caesar doesn't see her. 
Mm -hmm. he did or he didn't like what, whatever, but it actually makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference. It says a lot. Mm -hmm. It says a lot about what's going on Mm -hmm. with that person and with their history and, you know, like with them right in that moment, you know, like it's just, it's, it's such a telling thing of so many things. Yeah. And it's a decision of, it's like, Oh, did he, or didn't he see her? (laughs) Like it's, it's It's, so simple, but it's like, you know, everything is relationship. You know, I love what you said about the, like just this piece of trash or whatever, you know, it's like, it is, there's relationship to everything. You know, you pick up a piece of garbage that's not yours off the street. It says something about who this person is, Mm -hmm. why they pick that, that thing up. You know, it might sound like kind of a stupid mundane thing, but there's, you know, this is, this is hilarious. This goes full circle. This was something I'd want to touch on earlier in the conversation, come back around to be, (laughs) to be heard. But, and this is something I teach in with, with Meisner and stuff. And that was instilled in me is there's never nothing. Mm. There is always something. Um, so like in relationship to, you know, the story that you're writing, there's a relationship to this piece of trash, you know, this person's picking it up. It's like, Oh, it's like, are they pissed off about this piece of trash that they're, that somebody's like, th- like, look at this, you know, somebody throwing a piece of fucking trash, you know, like they just throw it on the ground. Like what the fuck's wrong with people? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, that's, and you go and you pick it up, you know, it's like, it's, it's, not everybody does that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, in terms of this conversation and what we've been having of, you know, when you're trying to get, to get started, when you don't know where to begin, uh, where, where do you begin? And the, the whole judgment we have about where we should be or how we should feel, um, in order to ideally create. And maybe it's, it's getting out of this idea that there's this ideal situation to create from, right? Cause that's a judgment. It's a judgment. There is no, maybe, and I don't know if this is necessarily true or not. I'm just trying to try this on for now, but what if there is no ideal situation to, to create? At it least doesn't the, at exist least emotionally. Yeah. At least, at least emotionally. Cause like we, we did a podcast and we talked about how we, how we create like crippling circumstances for ourselves and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think sometimes the environment is not conducive to, uh, producing great art. It's, it just, you know, if you're in a war zone, uh, it's not great. That's not great to create art. I mean, if yeah. you're worried you're going to get your head blown off or something or a bomb in the moment. You, yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be difficult to really be relaxed and create art and, and feel safe enough to kind of explore your internal world. So I do think that from a, from a certain standpoint, we need to create a certain amount of consistency, safety, uh, whatever, um, for us to create. But for an emotional place, I don't know if there is an ideal emotion. In fact, I think that any emotion, sometimes maybe even the ones that you don't like are filled with more than the ones that you, you know, think you need to have. Like, and I think the most common ones at least for me, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe people wouldn't agree, but I would say for me, I'm usually looking to feel a sense of play and a sense of inspiration. And if I'm feeling that, then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do this. Yeah. And if I'm not feeling that, if I'm, if I'm 
kind of stressed out or I'm feeling really sad or, you know, maybe sadness. Sometimes I've tapped into that one. Or I'm feeling agitated, whatever it might be. I think emotionally it's hard for me, hard for me to run with. Or if I just feel kind of like, um, I, I don't know what I would call it today, but today is kind of like maybe worn out, kind of a little bit like empty, like feeling the wells a little bit kind of yeah. dried out a little. And it's kind of like, okay, well, what do I, you know, but that, there's something interesting in that too. It's weird. It's so, it's yeah. actually full. I don't think it's ever empty, but it's weird. It feels kind of like it was yeah. in the beginning, you know? And yeah. there's never nothing. There's never like, nothing. That is something. Yeah. That is something that, that you, that is going to work through you and that you can work with. Right. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about this whole idea of like inspiration and how that all works. You know, it's like, it's like finding inspiration, you know, when it hits you, you know, that song, that story, that this sculpture, this, whatever it is that you do. And it's like, you've come across this, like this river and it's just flowing. It's just flowing. And you decide to either get into the canoe or not at this spot. And so if you're doing it, you just, you've decided to get into the canoe and you've got in, you got your paddle and you're just, you're flowing down the river at this moment. You've got that inspiration and you're, and you're moving down. The thing is, is that that river slows down at some, some parts, right? And maybe you've got to paddle a little bit you know, before you just had to kind of maybe steer it mm. a little bit. You just had to, cause the river was pushing you, but rivers, you know, they slow down, they speed up, you know, but every now and then you've got to push yourself and you find that next spot that just kind of like, it just pushes you down the river. But every now and then you've got to, you've got to, you've got to paddle yourself a little bit mm. to get to that next point. But at least you're on the river. So the inspiration is maybe never actually gone maybe this is what I'm trying to, to say with all of this. I like this, this idea. Is, this is, is, is that idea. you're, you're actually still on the inspiration. You're still on the river. You're, you're on the water that's flowing. It is moving somewhere. Some places moving faster than others. Right. But you're still on the river. Stay on the fucking river. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, yeah, I don't know. Mm. I just thought I'd throw a little metaphor in there just to see if that adds some or lends some extra perspective on it. I I like it. I mean, I think, I think so long as you can kind of create and you can do your art, so long as you have somewhat of an environment, which allows you for, then yeah, why would the river ever be gone? I mean, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's so easy to make excuses. And I think that, um, when, I feel inspired. It really does seem like I'm just on this, like this, this rapid, you know, it's just like so easy to get where I want to go. And, but it's all like, the only thing is maybe you're like, Oh my God, I have so much coming through right now. I hardly know what to do with it all. Yeah. And you know that the river's moving fast and you're just like trying to like keep yourself from like hitting the rocks or something like that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, those calmer moments, I think, you know, when I started this particular screenplay, I don't want it to start, like I've started certain screenplays where they have like a car chase or something like really crazy happens in the beginning. But this one, I particularly don't want to start that way. Mm. I want this one to start agonizingly slow. Mm. 
to the point where people are like those first few pages, I want them to be like, what's happening? What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) But yet they're going to be like, I really believe that after people like watch at least the beginning of this movie, they're like, especially if it turns out to be decent, I think they'll look back at the beginning of this and be like, Oh, there's so much going on. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on and I couldn't see any of it. And I want to watch it again because I want to see that first scene because there's so much going on. But the thing is, is like, that was almost like a, a calm part of the river. It was just like this placid lake almost, you know, like yeah, just wide open with no direction. You could go here, you could go there. Like we don't even know where we're heading. Yeah. But I just knew, I remember when I started it, I'm just like, I just all my only inspiration really is to know that just paddle out into this lake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause <laughs> it's like paddle out into the middle <laughs> and see and yeah. look and see what's around you. Exactly. And then what happened was I think why I stopped because I started to get a little bit too much, like I'm taking this over here. And then I was like, and, but it was only right at the end of it. Cause it was actually going down. I was, I felt like I was on the right path. And then there was a certain point and I know when I do this and I'm trying to catch myself as a writer. Um, it's when I start to impose my will too much on the characters and the agenda of the story. Mm. It's like, I, I mean, I know it's important to kind of have a plot and have your structure and do all that. But like I was, I was writing and I, you know, basically, you know, it's around, I don't know, page seven or eight or nine or right around there. But I, I just, I know like, I don't need to, I don't need to rush this part. This part doesn't need to go this way. And I, and I remember I just, I hit it and I, and my instincts, like at least I have good instincts. I think I'm getting better instincts, at least as a writer where my instincts are going off and they're going, no, like, you know, I needed to go the other way, but I was a little bit kind of like, okay, I'm here, you know, take a breath, think about it. And what was really good is like, I stopped and I, and I, and a lot of things kind of like have been processing since that. And, um, you know, I think, I think the thing is, is not to, there's those moments when you're in a river, right? You're on a river. The river's going to take you in a direction. Like mm-hmm. you almost don't even have control over the direction. When you're in the river, the river's going where the river's going. It's you're going, going downstream. with the river, you know? Yeah. You don't really have to like, that's why inspiration when it's rapid, like doesn't feel like much effort. You don't have to think about where to go, but when it's that open placid lake, you know, when you've hit that point before you get to the next like flowing river part of it, it's just so wide open and like, you know, there's just, you could go so far right, so far left, you know, yeah. and you don't really know where the next river stream out of there is yet. And there is one somewhere probably. Yeah. And you don't know where it is yet even cause it's just, you know, maybe it's around a bend. And so, you know, you're kind of like just trying to kind of go. And I think that's the other thing too, is if I could, at least for the writers, and maybe this is the same for actors or painters or musicians, I don't know, but allow yourself to, my best advice is allow yourself to experience the story as you're writing it. Mm -hmm. You know, I find that my best writing comes out when I'm allowing myself to experience it. And what I'm saying is like, not force it down what I think the experience should be. Yes. You know, so, you know, I'll get better at it every time I write, you know, especially in stories like this, where I'm really writing from my heart and I'm writing from a place of like, I feel like is really integrity. Like, a lot of integrity for me as a story writer is the kind of stories I want to tell. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they're not for everybody and that's good. That's what I want. I want stories that aren't for everybody. I want stories that are absolutely for some people, but absolutely not for others. I don't want any more safe. If I can, if I can stop it, I don't want any more generic stories that kind of like everybody's like, yeah, it was good. I want some people are like, mm-hmm. that was fucking great. And some people are like that fucking sucked. It was so slow, you know, whatever, yeah. right? Like, but I'd rather that I'd rather be really truthful to what I want to do. And, and the thing is, I think that I'm still figuring out what that is mm. just like with this podcast, you know, this episode, it's like, I'm still figuring out what this episode is as we're doing it. But I guess every episode's kind of like that. And, and this is just, I'm, I'm at this moment because of the nature of this particular episode and what's it, what it's about. I'm kind of having the, I don't know if you are, but the mirror, it's like, I'm seeing it in the mirror. I'm going, Oh yeah, that's what's happening here. We're just kind of, we're actually letting it just kind of find its own legs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. These are some, this is how I like these to go. Yeah. You know, where it's just like, it's, it's a constant discovery thing. Yeah. What's going on, which is, um, yeah, so much of our, how our work best comes into fruition is with an attitude of, of discovery of, you know, floating down that river and, you know, just, and, and going on the ride of it, you know? through, through the, through the rapids and through, and through the calm sort of like, what do they call them in, in rivers? Just, I don't know, the calm, just sort of like little ponds of it, basically, Mm. you know, it's, uh, it's all part of it because there's something to be said for all aspects of that experience. Because if it's just, if it was just the rapids, if it was just the, the fast moving water all the time, you know, you're so focused on just keeping yourself from, you know, sometimes you're just trying to keep yourself from hitting the shore. Yeah. Because you're being like, you're being thrown so fast. You're just trying to keep yourself in, you know, from slamming into stuff. Yeah. Right. Which is like, Ooh, it's exciting. You know, you're moving very fast, but you're also so like focused on just like that very thing that there's very little, there's little room for anything else as opposed to when you hit the calm parts of the water where it's not moving so fast, where you can actually take a moment to look at everything that's around you. Look at the shoreline, look at the trees, look at the, you know, look at the mountains, look at the sky. You have a moment to like take some things in Hmm. right before you're plunged back into, into the rapids again. Right. Right. But there's like, can you say that one of those things is better than the other? you, you have to have both of them are kind of necessary, mm-hmm. right? Like the rapids are fun, but you can't just do, you can't just do that the whole way through. Mm-hmm. It'd be exhausting. <laughs> yeah. And by the end of it, you're like, I don't know, don't even really know what happened necessarily. Well, there's, you know, there's also like, you know, in story, at least I guess story is life though, is that it's context and context, that's why we have a three X structure because of context in the first act, the whole reason why the first act of any story even exists is to create context for the rest of the movie. If you don't have that first act and if people don't do the first act properly, then they lose context. And that's why the movie usually doesn't amp up and have as good of a quality. So, mm. 
the reason, like the first act, and, I, I'm, and I, it's not the best term for it, but I like to call it normalcy or, or normalcy. Mm-hmm. It's like, how is the character's life as it normally is before we get into all this? Mm-hmm. Like, give me a sense of that so that when we get into this crazy shit, you know, and like transformers and robots are taking over the world, you know, then I have context for what this person's life is before that. Like they did a brilliant job with that first transformers. I mean, if you look at it from a story mm. structure point, you see this kid who's really like fascinated with this girl and like you get kind of a relationship with his parents, you kind of get what he's like. Yeah. And then things start happening. And this kind of gives you context for the rest of this crazy totally. shit, right? I mean, that's, that makes you think of like Pixar. If, if you're a storyteller, sure. man, look at Pixar. It's like 22 or something like that. Rules of storytelling. Yeah. One of my favorites, favorites from there. And this is like that beginning process is they have this sort of this statement that they, that they kind of, they come up with for every story. And it's like, once there was, uh, you know, whatever named blank and every day they blank until one day blank and then blank and blank. Like it goes, but the, the first part of it is there is this there is this person or there is this, you know, this fish or this robot, whatever it's Pixar. Yeah. Um, but the first statement is, and every day they blank, right? They, they insert whatever happens. It's like every day this happened, this, you know, this is their routine. This is how their life goes through. This is normal for them. Right. Until one day blank right? Mm. Until one day something happens and it changes everything. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, and then blank and blank and blank. And we used that once you and I, for a story we were reworking and I remember it worked quite well. And I think that the thing is, is that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's true. I mean, things change and then, you know, cause once we see like in this story that I'm working on, right? Like, um, if anyone listens to the last podcast, the one I'm talking about, um, but once these characters get together, and they're, they're in this apartment together and things have gotten intimate and all of that. And now they're working that out. I mean, their lives have changed and now things are different and we kind of need to see what they were like before. And they meet each other instantly in this movie. So like in some ways you could say that that was an inciting incident, but it really isn't. I mean, they're still taking their, both their normal lives and trying to figure out how to kind of like, you know, function together. There's a certain point where things just kind of start to go like, okay, we're in another, we're in another plane here. But I think all story really goes like this. And the reason why I bring all that up though, is the whole river thing. If everything was a river, there would be no context. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Placid Lake gives context to river. Like we wouldn't know what inspiration was if we were always in this place of inspiration, we wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. We'd just be in the river of inspiration. And we'd be like, that's not a concern. That's just easy, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, just like not everything in life is downhill. Some of it's uphill. Some of it's flat. Some of it, you know, you can't get up the same way and you can't get down the same way. You know, it's, it's, uh, we, we're, we're, we're dealing with different things all the time. And I think that, that the internal world, like, I don't think we should, I don't think we should ever expect our internal world to 
be just a flat plane all the time. Like it, you know, we, we should expect mountains and valleys and, you know, and different weather and, and different, yeah. you know, different kind of like environments and different type of ground. Like sometimes it's muddy, sometimes it's rocky, sometimes it's, you know, just sandy or dirty or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes like the weather of what's going on in our life changes the whole yeah. internal world. And, and all these things make art kind and, of this wonderful and let's kind of mess, let go right? of our judgment of all of this sure. stuff, you know, as being good or bad. Yeah. You know, cause that kind of shit is like, well, that's, it, it doesn't necessarily, it's not really conducive in the long run for continuing to create. Yeah. 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 Cause you're going to, you know, and I think like being a professional is someone who is willing to show up regardless of how they feel and regardless of what's going on. And also I think one thing I want to say is people say that a lot about professionals in any medium, but also a professional. And I've learned this, uh, I learned this from my dad and I've learned this from other mentors who are professionals who are really good at their jobs is they also know when to take a day off and when to stop, mm-hmm. which is really, really important, you know? And like, the other day, like I stopped, that was hard for me. Cause I was like, well, I got a few hours. I could probably get some more done here. And for me to stop knowing that I have this deadline was really hard. But also I was like, no, I respect myself enough to know that this is a moment where, and you know what, maybe this moment I'll look back and go, man, I kind of, I kind of wasted that time. But had I not stopped, I wouldn't have, I was still working on it. It just wasn't sitting down writing it anymore. Mm-hmm. I was going to, I sat down somewhere and I went and I thought about it, which is still work in a lot of ways, but knowing when to kind of get your hands off is important too, right? Like to, to let yourself maybe float a little adrift, but like yeah. still be in it, but not like paddle so hard, not like try and get somewhere like, you yeah. know, and like maybe just let the wind take your sails, so to speak a little, you know, whatever it might be. And, and, you know, maybe you end up kind of like, off somewhere, which isn't where you really planned on being, but there's kind of this wonderful thing about getting out of it too. Totally. Sometimes getting lost is exactly what you need. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's part of it too, is like, I think reason why these podcast episodes keep working and we keep getting a growing audience. I think at least I keep finding that we're having good talks is because we allow ourselves to go adrift in this. And usually most of our guests are really like, they usually say that they're really, really happy doing this podcast because they, they like, they liked the fact that it went off a little bit and it wasn't so controlled, you know, and it ended up kind of uncovering things. And there was a, you know, a certain type of freedom that they experienced in being on it. And I think that, you know, we, we don't just talk the talk. We actually walk the walk, you know? And I mean, I don't say that to be boastful. I say like, that's actually the design of this podcast is like, let's explore, let's create the space. Right. And I think like what I'm really kind of taking more away from this conversation too, is, is creating that space for myself to kind of get a little lost and explore. And I think the heart, the thing that's going to stop me with this script is if I think I know where I'm going. Mm. I think that, that, you know, I'm, I'm really like, maybe this is a little premature in the episode of what I'll walk away with, but like, I think what I'm, one of the things I'm going to walk away with is that when I go on to write the rest of the script is like, don't expect that I know where it's going. Like, yeah, I have an idea. I kind of have, I kind of think I do, but like, just be open that it might go somewhere else entirely. And that's totally yeah. cool. You know? Cause even if, yeah. even if I get lost, I'll figure it back out. You know what I mean? 
But like, if I'm too scared to get lost on this journey with this particular script, I think I will, I will get writer's block. I'll probably just, you know, get stuck or I'll yeah. force it. And in both would not be good. There's fantastic stories and movies and books that have been made over the years about people who got lost and how it was the best thing that ever happened was getting lost. Mm. Um, I was going to say what you were, what you were saying reminds me of, um, uh, Kevin Smith and his book, tough shit. Uh, he <laughs> great book. Uh, he talks about, um, when he did, uh, his sort of horror thriller movie, uh, red state. And he said that when he was writing it, uh, when, if he became aware during the process of writing where he knew where it was going, he, he, he changed it. He changed whatever was going on. That was like his whole thing. He's like, as soon as he's like, as soon as I know where this is going, I have to change it because then the audience is going to know where it's going. Thought it was kind yeah. of a really interesting, I mean, especially for like the horror thriller genre, right? Like it totally. rely, like it needs to have the surprises, um, to keep it engaging, to keep it as part of the genre and to do what it's supposed to do to fulfill its requirements as opposed to like, you know, we're used to, to a degree, like we're more accustomed and forgiving of, of films in different genre. Like we kind of know where it's going, but we care more so about the journey of how it's going to happen. Like we care more so about the honesty with which it's being spoken of uh, or dealt with as opposed to something like a horror where it's just like, we came here for surprises and thrills and unexpected shit to happen. Mm. Right. Not that those things aren't wonderful in any genre, but with horror and thriller, especially like it's such a plot type of thing. Mm-hmm. Especially with those. Yeah. Especially with those. I th- you know, I, I'm curious, um, about that book and, and the way in which, in the way in which he did that and, and, and how he applied that strategy, because I, I, I do think that there's something, there's some really good like insight in that. I, I do feel like a lot of the time, if I get too far ahead of myself about what I'm going to do, it's usually cliche. It's usually something I've already seen or heard or whatever before it's the obvious choice. And, and, um, you know, something that I'm kind of being more conscious about is not getting married to ideas. Like once I come up with it and being like, Oh, it's such a good idea. It has to be this way. You know, it's like, yeah, well, just be like, this is just kind of the idea that's like a placeholder. Also with this particular script, I actually actively like kind of did less structure work, particularly for the nature of the story so Mm -hmm. that it could kind of get a little more lost. Um, and I, you know, I've been debating like throwing in some more details and I'm like, nah, just don't like, just like let the dialogue lead you to the next thing. And then when that comes about, you'll know, yeah. cause like I have enough awareness of story structure to know where I'm at in a story. Like I never yeah. really forget like, and plus I have a good, like kind of, um, I have enough practice, I should say, where I can kind of piece together and go, okay, this works as this, as this, as this, and this is kind of where we are. Yeah. But moving forward, it's kind of better if I don't really know, like, 
And the other thing too, when he was staring at the, the mannequin with the suit in the window, I never intended on him seeing her. I discovered that only later, which is, I think what makes it kind of, kind of good because, um, because then I was like, wait, that still totally works because we knew he was looking at something. We didn't know what he was looking at. It's like, how much better is it that he was actually looking past what we thought he was looking at and at some at her. And then the fact that like he lies about it is great because you have no reason not to believe him. Like, you know, and, and I wrote it like he told the truth, you know? Yeah. And so like, you have no reason not to believe him and she believes him. And you know, and so like, it's kind of like leading the story down a path where of course this is the first draft. So the first draft's going to be what the first draft's going to be, but knowing all this information and having all these discoveries, when I re-edit, I can go, okay, I can just fine tune this here and fine tune that there. But like, you know, I think sometimes when you write, knowing how creative or crafty you are, you're not so creative or crafty at all. Mm-hmm. But when you don't know, like, and, and like, to write something really honestly, like for example, like usual suspects, it's, it's better if you were to write usual suspects as though what you're being told is the truth. And then only later be like, no, this is all a lie because like, that's how the sixth sense was done as well. Like it was done from a very honest point. And then it was like, no, but we can make it a twist later. And I think that's a much better way to do a twist because if you already know the twist ahead of time, I think you'll, you'll weirdly give tells, you know, it's, um, there's that Edgar Allan Poe, um, short story where he hid the dead body under the floorboards. Have you ever heard this? Oh, uh, I, yeah, yeah. It seems very familiar. Yeah. Okay. Well anyway, so the murderer hides the body under the floorboards and the police show up and no one can solve the murder. And he keeps hearing the heartbeat. I think it's everywhere. Oh yeah. He keeps yeah. hearing the heartbeat under the floor and eventually tells them, I think that, that that's where the body is. And the, the idea is that he got away with the perfect crime. No one would ever figure it out, but he wanted so badly for people to know how smart he was that he ratted on himself essentially. Mm. And I think when we create twists in story, sometimes that's what we do. We kind of tell on ourselves as we're doing it, you know, um, maybe some people are different. Um, whatever. I mean, really, I I can only really speak for my own process and maybe like what I've seen. And I haven't talked or worked with every writer in the world, but I do find that people, when they know, and myself, when I know, I tend to give away too many tells, but when I don't know, I don't know to give away tells. So I don't. And then it can go back and I can, in, in a rewrite, and I can add in like foreshadowing as a nice little touch but I think we tend to give too much away. This is my, my experience. And I think like something I'm learning about my own process. So mm-hmm. I try and I try to keep myself as much in a mystery as possible. You know, the mystery is where we work from. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you, that's when you know, it's like you're, you're on to something is when you're working in a place where you don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think it's harder. I think, and also the thing about working for mystery is like more fear comes up because you're like, well, what if I do it wrong? Or what if this isn't any good? Or also if you have a story that like the entire thing is banking on your twist. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of pressure, right? On this one moment in your story, this one reveal. So I think like it's much better if you have a really good story and it happens to have a really good twist. Yeah. As opposed to like, I don't really have a very good story, but this twist is awesome. And it kind of makes the story all right. You know? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like the actor that's waiting for that moment in the scene. And, like, when this moment comes and they cried and they're like, it was yeah. a great audition. But, like, they did that moment excellently, but, like, the whole rest of the audition sucked. It's like, well, there's that one moment. And it kind of, like, made everything seem, like, pretty good. Yeah. But, like, what about just, like, some really fucking great acting through the whole thing, regardless of this one moment? And everything's not hinging on this one thing. Yeah. Right. I think screenwriting is the same way. And like probably just about every art, probably just about everything in life. Right. Like, you know, I think, you know, and and maybe this kind of comes back to your analogy, the river and the, and the lake, it's like the lake needs to be just as good as the river. Otherwise you're like, just like, well, there's the river and that's excellent. And then there's the lake and all that stuff sucks. But I think you're probably on the more like the lake and the placid like a lot more time than you are on the river. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. If we want to use analogies no, and throw those. Yeah, in. no, I, I, <laughs> I dig it. Speaking of rivers, how about this <laughs> fluid that we're, uh, currently ingesting? <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm enjoying it. I'm a little sick, so I don't know if my taste buds are as, um, acutely aware. I don't know how to put it, um, as normal, but, um, it's good. It's tasty. It's a little bit hoppy. It kind of seems like it's an IPA or something, maybe like an ale of some sort, but I don't know. It's definitely hoppy. It's definitely got like, it's definitely got like a flavor punch to it, Yeah, but it's tasty. Um, I don't know. What is it? So this is called the devil fish. Nice. Um, it's a single malt and single hop IPA. Oh, that's, um, oh, so that's the malt part. That's the ale part, I guess. Yeah. And then I knew it was an IPA cause it was so hoppy. And, uh, this, I don't know if we've had them, had these guys on the show. Who are they? This is old Yale brewing company. I don't think so. And I believe they're from Chilliwack. The whack. Ooh, the whack. Um, cause old Yale is a, is a street in, in Chilliwack. Yep. It sure is. It's from Chilliwack. Um, and this is from their tall, they, they call it their tall tale series. Um, but it says, uh, this daringly simple IPA was crafted using only the essentials, special amber malt and Ella hops. The devil fish's tropical notes and smooth finish are best savored with a spicy seafood dish. Well, how about that? Um, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's definitely got like a really bitter hop to it for sure. Yeah. That just like kind of smacks you in the, in the gums a little bit. It wouldn't be for everybody. No, no, definitely not. I mean, I've learned to like, like kind of the hoppier beers since we've been doing the podcast, but I think initially when we started the podcast, I would probably not like this beer very yeah. much, but now I've kind of like grown to like hoppy beers a lot more. But if you don't like hoppy beers, at least at this point, it's probably not like, yeah, it is a bit, of, it's a good way to put it. It's a, it's like, you know, hops is kind of like a punch in the face always. You yeah. Know? But yeah, this one, this one goes for it. Yeah. I find it's like, it's, it's really smooth at the end. The finish is a little bit harsh for me on it. Yeah. Um, but otherwise like it's like, it's not, it's not like horrible, but like the finish has a little bit of a harshness to it. But, um, but I, I'm not having really a problem drinking this one. So I don't know if I would call it harsh. It's maybe not so harsh for me, but then again, 
I am a little bit stuffed up. The artwork on this, uh, on this is super cool. Yeah. They've got some great stuff. Somebody had, had got me like a, a bottle of this, uh, last m- month, not, not this particular one, but one from old Yale. And it was called like their, their Sasquatch stout or something like that. It was really quite good. Nice. So, Oh, I'm glad that we've uh, got a first from old Yale on here. Then we have both reached uh, drunken sailor level because they have ratings here on the side. Once you get to the bottom of this, you are a drunken sailor. No, I don't. That's actually not what that is. Oh, I to, wish it was. Uh, I'll tell you what this is. This is even more interesting. This is actually chords like music chords to play drunken sailor. Oh, drunken sailor is a song. Yeah. You know, what do you do with a drunken sailor? Oh, yeah. Okay. So they've got hey, on the bottles, this. they've got chords for, for songs. <laughs> they also have this, they have a five star or five, like five star kind of rating for hops. And this is a four to five on hops. Yeah. And on malt, it's a three out of five on malt. So that's kind of a neat thing they do with yeah. their, they really do a, uh, you know, really nice things with their, um, marketing and, uh, information on the bottle. Yeah. Cause you could really like, I mean, I can, I imagine you could look at all their beers and kind of be like, okay, well this one has, you know, I don't want hops or I want a lot of hops and you can kind of see surprisingly, this is only a four in hops because there's, there's more, this isn't the top. Yeah. There could be more allegedly, but you know, one person's four is another person's five. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Uh, all right. (laughs) All right. Well, that's good. So, um, moving well, along. Yeah. So, okay. So we got this river analogy. We've, been, we've been <laughs> got this, there's rivers, there's lakes, there's rivers, there's lakes, there's trees, there's mountains. Yeah. There's, uh, so maybe we come back to this question where to begin when you don't know where to start. I mean, I think we got a couple things down so far. Start where you are, start where you are, be where you are, be honest about that. And don't, don't try and fight that be that first. I, 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 you know, the message keeps coming back to me over and over again. And I know that I kind of put this out, but like really you can't change anything until you accept where you're at. Yeah. And like even Tony Robbins talks about this, Mm -hmm. you know, in his personal growth things that were made in 1986 or something where he talks about, and probably even before him, of course, but you have to get disgusted with where you're at. You have to be real about where you're at. You know, if you need to lose weight, you need to be like, look at yourself and be like, I'm, I'm a fat ass right now and I don't like it. And that will get you motivated. Cause like, you won't change until you feel a certain amount of pain. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that, you know, you really do have to get honest about where you're at and where you're at is what it is. It's, it's not wrong. It's not bad is the second part. Yeah. Where you are is not wrong or bad. It is simply what it is. And, and you can just, decide you like it or don't like it. And that's just a judgment. But for the time being, you've got to be in it. And one further is like, is, and that could be exactly where you're supposed to be as well. Right. Right. You could take it that step further if you wanted to. Well, I would, I would, I would argue and actually say that that actually is the next part of it is that no matter how you feel about it or what your judgment is, this is where you're supposed to be. You need it to get to this place before you would do anything else you know, it's some people have to push themselves to really tragic points where they will feel so much pain before they will change. And, you know, 
if you deny, and I think that what happens is, and, and this isn't necessarily coming from me. This is like, you know, an old told wisdom that we, the reason why we get ourselves into such bad places sometimes is because we won't accept where we already are at. The sooner you accept where you're at, like, let's just talk about weight. For example, the soon as you start to see like a little bit of like, you know, chub coming over your belt line, <laughs> that could be enough to make you go, yeah, you know what? Or the moment you can't see the definition of your arms could be enough for you to start to go, Oh, I need to do something. Some people though will go, ah, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. I won't even look. I won't even look. And then eventually they'll get to a point where they're, you know, they're so obese, right? Yeah. And then they're like, oh man, now I need to change. But what ends up happening is sometimes we get stuck there because then we go, well, it's too late now. I can't change. Mm -hmm. And I I think also like, you know, uh, you know, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying like, you know, I think this is something we deal with in our society, you know? And I think emotionally, sometimes we get ourselves so depressed that we think, oh man, I'm just so far gone. I've just thrown so much away. I've like pushed away the people I love or I don't have any friends around. It's like, I can't get over my emotional block could physicalize itself, could internalize itself. But I think really we just have to accept this is where I'm at. Like it, want to change it. Don't like it, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we got to kind of go and accept it and be like, it's okay. Then I'm here. There's nothing, there's nothing intrinsically bad about me or whatever that I'm here. You might want to change it, but like first it starts, you got to step, you got to take the first step from where you are. I think we did a podcast way back in the day. We were talking about that. you got to take that first step from where you are. You can't like be like, I want to be 10 steps ahead and I'll take a step over there. That's like 11 steps from where you are. You have to take the step from where you are to start the change, you know? And I think like, you know, as an actor, I mean, it's, it's more present than anything with actors because we're emotionally feeling something and we need to get somewhere and we know that the scene's going somewhere. If you're refusing to be where you're at, you probably never will. Yeah. But if you can just be where you're at, you, you might actually be surprised that you can go just about anywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because it's like, you know, <laughs> all of this stuff, it's, it's almost like, you know, a 12 step program. <laughs> I mean, because like the first step for people who are like, cause the thing is, and I want to say this right now, you know, you think of something like, like, uh, AA or people in a 12 step program for addiction where, listen, we, most of us actually have an addiction of some kind. Yeah. Most of us have like the people with addiction just have a very, a very obvious sort of outward like it's, it's easy to see what the problem is. Mm -hmm. Right. But most of us actually have some sort of a form of it. It's just like, it's like a really, uh, uh, almost like a a societal caricature of like a a problem that we all kind of have. And the first thing that you do in a 12 step program is you admit there's a problem, right? That's the first step. And that's bizarrely what we are talking about here. Maybe not so bizarrely, but that's exactly what we're talking about here. The first step is to admit where you are is to admit what you're feeling, what's actually going on and saying, yep, this is where I am. Hmm. Because the more you try and pretend it's not where you are, the worse the problem becomes, right? You can't actually, like, as you said earlier, you can't actually do anything about it until you've actually accepted it. 
Because once you've accepted it, now it's not hiding in the shadows anymore. It's not some, some, um, figment of your imagination or whatever. And this is why it's also, it's really important not to have to try as best you can, um, not to have a sense of judgment about it, just to be able to admit this is where you are. Yeah. Right. And, and not make that necessarily like a good or a bad thing. But I mean, it's, I'll I'll come back to this. I've been saying this the last number of weeks. It's like, but you know, if there's a certain sense of, of, of disharmony, you know, that's, that's obviously occurring that is just, isn't working with who you are, right? Just like, and everything is relative as you, you kind of pointed out with, you know, somebody who is just like, Oh, you know, like their, you know, their bellies coming over their, their belt line, you know, that's for somebody that's like when they've got to do something for another person, it's just like, Oh, I've just lost. like, they're losing definition in their arms or something, which is, you know, like, Oh my God, everything's relative in, in that respect too. Um, there was somewhere I was going to take this whole relativity thing. (laughs) Um, in, in terms of our conversation, um, drinking beer on an empty stomach folks, here's what you get. Um, (laughs) that it's, that it changes from person to person. Yeah. Like like where they're at. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Here. So it's, thank you. Awesome. This is why, this is why you keep, (laughs) uh, keep you around. Um, but like to, you know, for most people, you know, having like having a, a drink or consuming alcohol is not a problem. Hmm in their lives, you know, like most people are okay with it. It's okay for a person to go out and have a drink or two to somebody who was an alcoholic. No, it's not okay for them to do that. Right. That's the whole thing of, of, of harmony, right? Like it's, it can be a little bit different from, from person to person to person, right? It's all in, um, it's all in what is, is right for you and being able to, uh, determine the directions that you can, you can go or where you need to take a step back. Right. It's, it's different from ever for, for everybody. Yeah. That was all, that was all my point was that I was making. <laughs> I don't know it's exactly different. what it was necessarily in relation to, but <laughs> it's different for everybody. Well, I, you know, I guess that's true. I mean, it's, uh, you know, like, not, not everybody is going to have a problem with being sad or angry. Some people are, some people are going to be, have a problem with someone being too excited. You know, I remember there was a period in my life where when someone got super excited, like, like, like way over the top excited, I was like, whoa, like, like internally, I was kind of like, whoa, like chill. Like you're embarrassing yourself. Yeah. And like, now I'm like, man, like, I can't believe I used to think that like, like, but you know, when I was younger and I was a kid in my high school, you know, if you got too excited, people just made fun of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure that's probably goes on other places (laughs) other than where I went to school. I don't think I'm alone there, but like, you know, so you learn to kind of cleave emotion a little, you learn to kind of be like, I'm excited, but I'm like, it's good. You know? Yeah. Like it's good. 
you know, like, yeah. you, like, and, and you learn to just do all this shit to like manage stuff because, you know, you don't want the social consequences. Um, but I also think, you know, I want to throw in another thing. Social society pressures, cultural societal pressures are toxic in so many ways. Mm. And it is an undiscussed, uncommented, unchecked part of the human experience. And it's dangerous. And we need to start being a little bit more conscious of how socially we don't all really have it all together because there's a lot of pressures Mm -hmm. to be a certain way, to look a certain way, to do certain things to, you know, like where's materialism come from? That's social. That's a social cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Propaganda. You know, some people are like, Oh, I want to buy my things. Just hear me out for a second. Yeah. You want to get your things, have your nice things, have your comforts, do whatever. But when you think you need all this stuff to be okay, to be complete and you can't be happy. Otherwise you don't think there's a problem there. Like have your stuff. They're nice stuff. Go have it. But like, if you are worried about not getting your, you know, Gucci purse or whatever the hell it is, or you're, you know, you're not wearing the right thing out with your friends or, you know, you don't have enough money or the job or whatever. And, and like the car, the house, and, and, and you're not happy because of that. And you don't think you're enough because of that. And that type of thing, like that's what I'm pointing at this type yeah. of thing. That is a social cancer. Oh yeah. That is toxic. Right. And so a lot of the problem about what we're talking about right now is like when we started this podcast is, you know, my social pressures come up a little bit. I go, okay, well, what if I don't talk about anything good? What if I, what if I'm not excited? What if I'm like, like, that's a social pressure that we have to be a certain way to do certain things. And like people enforce it and we all think it's true, but yeah. it, it isn't, you know, I've actually found, cause I've been practicing this more and more that I'm not talking about going around and being a little like moaner and like being like Debbie downer, Danny downer here. Yeah. I'm talking about being real with people and I'll go around and people ask me like, how are you feeling? And I'll say, you know what? you want a friend taught me this said, do you, are you just asking or do you want the real answer? You know, sometimes I'll say that if I'm not too sure. So I, you know, uh, I'll say, you know what, to be honest, I'm a little bit stressed out right now. I'm kind of working on this thing. I don't really know it. Blah, 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 blah. Share the real truth with them. I'll say, you know, for the most part, things are pretty good, but this thing's kind of got me a little in this moment right now, when you ask me, I'm a little agitated. They're like, really cool. Well, what's going on? Like, tell me about it. Usually it's super engaging surprisingly. Yeah. I used to think that I had to be excited, happy, go lucky all the time. You know what I mean? So I'm like learning to be a little bit more real, but where does this come from? It comes from social pressure. It comes from all these demands about how we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do and, and all this stuff, how we're supposed to think. So that's another part of this, you know, like when you don't know how to begin, cause you don't know where to start, like take away a little bit about what social pressure is telling you you're supposed to be, yeah. what you're supposed to do. Why don't you do you do yeah. what you want to do? Like forget what everyone else thinks or, or whatever, you know, or what you think everyone else thinks. Cause I think we all want to be free of it. We're just, no one's ever told us that it's okay. And no one ever told us that like, it's a whole bunch of bullshit. That's kind of what I want to say on this podcast. Yeah. Cause like, I hope people hear it and go, yeah, you know what? That is a whole bunch of bullshit. Yeah. You know? You know, there's uh to bring back the AA thing again, <laughs> sure. like one of their big, uh, uh, sort of statements, um, that they came up with is, um, I'm not okay. You're not okay. And that's okay. Mm. Right. Like truth is a hell of a lot better than, you know, 
living, living the lie, living the bullshit. Right. Right. That's how the problem happened. Right. Right. That's how the alcoholism happened is it's a bunch of people who weren't okay, who are trying to be okay. And drinking was the only way that they could be okay. Yeah. And it started to ruin their fucking lives and it was becoming less and less and less. Okay. The drinking did not become okay anymore. And now there's nothing left. Right. There's nothing that's okay anymore. Right. And then you have two choices at that point, which is like, and, and unfortunately for some people it goes and, you know, it spirals into a really horrible place and like even worse than, than where it is. And, and people, you know, die as a result of their addiction or people admit that there is a problem and they, and they do something about it. Right. right. Um, but yeah, I guess this whole started with the whole being honest, right. With where you're at being honest with yourself. Like what's it like, really what's is happening? a 12 step program. Holy hell. Like it really is. I mean, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, I've, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Like I, you know, the a in and out, like, you know, um, I, you know, I've never been to yeah. it, but I've had, you know, friends who have been a part of it and such. And, you know, I know, I know with your course, they kind of implement some of those things, but I've always, yeah. every, every time I hear anything from it, I always think there's just so much wisdom in there that people can use regardless. Yeah. Because I, I really do think we all kind of have like, uh, you know, addictions in some way or another, like an addiction really is just a way of hiding out. It's a way of covering up. That's all it really is. And like, you know, and I think that these lessons are good across the board for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the people who I, who I knew who brought some of the, like the, the tenants and the whatever of AA in is because their, their whole idea was cause they were, they were actually former alcoholics. Um, and they've been sober for like 25 and 20 years or something, the two of them Mm -hmm. or whatever. But, um, there were so many things. And also it's an interesting sort of little fun fact here is that the, the people who came up with the AA like book, like the guidebook and like the, the 12 step program, they were, like the AA book was named like the most significant spiritual contribution to society in the 20th century. Wow. Like on a grand scale, but they had incorporated it because their, their whole philosophy was that like, well, we're all ego addicts. Yeah. And the 12 step program actually deals really well with that as too. I was going to say, it could be an interesting thing for us to do to pick up a book of a look at the 12 steps and actually do like a piece. Like we could do a podcast on each one of those and see how like that might actually apply for, for artists. Yeah. That would be good. That could be interesting. We'll look into it. Yeah. We'll look into it. um, it. No promises. No, no promises. If it doesn't, it doesn't seem to make sense, then, then whatever. Um, no, this is good. Okay. So, so let's go back here. So start where you're at, be honest about where you're at. Um, accept where you're at is that it's, it's perfectly okay. And it doesn't, you know, um, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's okay to whatever, but you are, we are. And then, um, stop I, judging it. Yeah. I think everything also, you know, just like we started this podcast. And if you ever listen to the first one, we, we even say it in the beginning, it's like humble beginnings. We're starting this podcast. Didn't really know what we were doing. I mean, now look at us, like we're just kind of, it's just like, I, I even forget there's a mic in here half the time. I mean, I just think of it like yeah. another person listening to me. Right. 
and it's fun. It's just like incorporated. I mean, that's growth, right? But it's baby steps. You start, you try it out, you know, um, everything is kind of like that, you know? And the other thing too, is the, the other big lesson, and I don't know if I skipped over a few there, but the other big lesson, well, there was one about society, like kind of watch out what society's telling yeah, you. Yeah, to do. Yeah. That was something I want to mention again. But the other thing I'm going to say is like, and I brought this up earlier is be willing to get lost and do it wrong and go somewhere unexpected, you know, and, and trust that when you get wherever that is, that you'll have the experience or the wisdom or the point of view to see where to go now. And maybe you go, Oh, you know what? I went the wrong way. I'll go back and I'll go here and then I'll go this way because, you know, sometimes I think you're going to hit a fork in the road, but I think with creativity, you know, sometimes you go on a fork in the road and I think there's, there's really one of two options, probably one of a million or infinite, but one is you go down a fork in the road and it really was the wrong way. You, you, you kind of realize, oh man, I should have gone the other way. So you just go back, you, you know, delete. If you, if you're a writer, delete what you just wrote or just put that all aside and then go back and start at the point where you hit the fork in the road and go the other way, you know? that's pretty simple. I mean, and don't look at the time that you went the wrong way as a waste. Just look at it as like, and now I know that that wasn't the way to go. And there's probably more lessons to come from that. The other thing that can happen, which is kind of interesting is you think you're on the wrong way. And then somehow you find out that the wrong way ended up being the right way or that it tied into the other way altogether. And yeah. you're like, what? You know? And so that's the kind of thing that you can't really see until you kind of, you know, get out there. You know, it's like, I think art, especially with creativity and especially with like feature films, they're kind of like a dog leg, you know, like in a golf course yeah. where you can't really see around the bend. So you hit it to the best point you can on the dog leg so that you can, once you get there, then you're going to have a better point of view at the yeah. green. And, and, and it might even say it's not even just a dog leg. It's like a zigzag, you know, and so, you, you know, there's, there's so much obstruction in the way between you and your final goal that all you can really do is move as far as you can along the zigzag so you can get a better view at the next zig you're going to have to do before you zag again and you're going back the other way. And, you know, and you can, you know, you might be able to see like, okay, over those trees, I can tell that the green is on the other side of that, but I can't see what it looks like over there, but I'm going to have total faith that if I hit it over these trees and into that area that I can't see right now, I'll be okay. And sometimes we do that. And I think like, this is, this is art. Like art is like this, you know, it's not like if it was all just a straight line all the time, it would be so boring. Yeah. So I think like we really got to kind of embrace the idea that like, you know, for example, when we started this podcast episode, it was like a dog leg. I'm just like, okay, I don't know where it's going to go really, but like, let's just start doing it. <laughs> like, you know, we've kind of gotten to that point yeah. and then we'll find out, you know, and now we're kind of like, I feel and like we've, and it's so exciting and it's like, you know, it's yeah. and and it, goes to show it's like, you know, don't, don't be so worried. You know, like stop being so stressed out about this whole thing. Like it's, it's not necessary. It's all, you know, you're on the dog, you're playing a game. Yeah. You're playing a game. It's a game, you know, hit it to the best that you know to do it. And you'll see what you're, you're looking at on the other side of it right? When you come back around. 
you know, like that. And it's like, and, and you'll have surprises, be open to what, what's, what's going to be there. Right. It could be something way better than you could have even conceived of. Right. But I mean, it's, yeah, we, I think we cause ourselves so much unnecessary, uh, stress out of trying to know everything, you know, trying to know how everything is, is going to go or how it should go or what the best way is going to be. It's like, you know, it's like, you don't fucking know the best way. Like you don't like, there's no, like, like it's, I think it stopped needing to be so certain. Yes. You know, cause I yeah. think like, I, like I, I, I know like for me when I'm certain it's a lot more easy to kind of like be confident and assured and all that other stuff. But I think that like, if I only ever worked when I was certain, I mean, I, I wouldn't work it like half the time I work, even, yeah. if, even a fraction of it, because I think most of the time with art, you're just not going to be certain. I, and I think like, it's not just art. It's like relationships too. You, you, you meet somebody, you really like them, you know, you want to take that relationship further. You don't know. You want to get married. You don't know. Want to have kids. You don't know. You don't know. There's just like, we, we, we create all these things to like create the illusion of certainty, but like so few things are certain in life. Even life itself isn't certain, you know, but yeah. we, we like to believe it is. And I think like the thing <laughs> is, is that we kind of got to go and like, we got to have, sounds so funny. Cause it's like a song. You got to have faith. You really do. Yeah. Got to have faith that you're going to get where you know best to get. And from there, you're going to have a better perspective. And then from there, you're going to make some more decisions. And then wherever that gets you going to on faith, you're going to make some other ones. Yeah. And like, I, I think if you already know how it ends right now, just fucking do yourself in. Who gives a shit? Like yeah. who, you already did it. You already know how it's working out. Like who cares? Yeah. Like why go through all the work? You already know what's going to happen. Like you yeah. might as well, you might as well do this on discovery, do this on mystery, have, have a fucking wild ride of a journey of a life. Yeah. Create some wild ride of a journey of some art, you know, and like live a little. Yeah. You know, I mean the thing, yeah, it's like, you know, we talk about, we've, especially recently, we've been talking a lot of Alan Watts. Hmm. He's great, but uh, I mean, he's, he's taken stuff that he learned from a lot of Eastern traditions and philosophies. And he's just like, he talks so much, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's just like, there's nothing to arrive to. Like there's nothing, there's nothing to get to. There's no, I'm here now. This is it. It's just like, no, like the whole point is, you know, to be a part of it. Yeah. The whole point is to be a part of the life that you are living. Right. (laughs) Right. And that's, and the only way to do that is in every single moment. You can't live for tomorrow. You can't live for years from now. That doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It only exists in your mind, which is living in the present. Mm Mm-hmm. So you can't escape this whole thing of like being alive right now and being a part of right now. So why fight it? Why fight this whole thing? It's way better, way easier to just be where we are, to admit where we are and maybe see how that's kind of all perfect Mm -hmm. and to get on with it and to now just start to do our work, start to to create out of a sense of mystery of, I don't know what's going to come of this. If anything will come out of this, but just acting, 
for the sake of the action. Hmm. Yeah. I think also, you know, there's a, you know, do you know anything about improv? I know a little bit about improv. I've done a little bit of improv. Yeah. Well, one thing about improv, if you ever go to it or whatever, is that they usually say like, they ask for a few terms, like, you know, this happens in what location with what thing around what relationship or what, whatever, right. There's a few things. And the reason why they do that is because you need some direction, some confine for creativity to really work. If you leave it too open-ended, it, it, doesn't have like, it it doesn't have like a link. It doesn't tie itself together very well, you know, and and it can just kind of go off so far off the rails. Because it's just a shit mix. Yeah. Which can be interesting, but it's, it, yeah, there's no sort of clarity. There's no focus. There's something, something not quite there. Yeah. So by creating boundaries, by creating some type of you know, direction, what ends up happening is creativity can exist within that. And there's still a lot of room, especially in improv for things to happen. But, um, it's, it, it, it usually enhances the whole experience of it all. And, and like, I think when we talk about this, like, you know, beginning and not knowing where to start, start by creating a direction, start by creating a couple boundaries, like, you know, I don't really know how the rest of the screenplay is going to go. I mean, I have a few scenes in my mind that are kind of like kind of burned in there pretty hard. And I, you know, that are going to happen. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, no hundred percent guarantee, but pretty sure. And they will lead me through the story right to the end and I should be okay. But really the, 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 there's only a few things that I know that must take place right now. One is that it, 80% of the movie will take place in the apartment, you know? Yeah. If not 85%, but almost all take place in the apartment. The other thing that's going to happen is that these characters used to date. That needs to happen. And then there's a couple other things, uh, that are in place <laughs> regardless. doesn't matter. I'm not going to give the whole story away, but whatever they're in place. And so those things alone give me enough confines. And from within there, I, you know, as long as those things stay consistent and they yeah. stay as pillars, anything can kind of happen. Yeah. yeah. The rest is discovery. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like what we got to do. And I also think like, you know, we we're talking about this. I mentioned this dog lake thing, you know, like when you're, I don't know if anybody like, have you ever whitewater rafted? You ever done that? Uh, no, I have not. You haven't. Okay. So whitewater rafting, like I've done a few different rivers. I've, you know, I've, I've been here in BC. I've gone down to Colorado. I've done a bunch of them. And you, when you sign up for it, they tell you what kind of level rapids you're going to deal with. Right. But you don't know what they're going to look like. You're just going to deal with them when you get to them. And you kind of hope that like your guide and everybody will kind of figure it out. And sometimes people flip and whatever. Right. And it can be kind of traumatic. Like some of these rapids are, can be pretty scary. And also you can be moving along. They're kind of funny. Like you can be moving along and then you go around a corner and you're like, Oh, whoa, that's what we're about to deal with. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's all cause there's trees in the way. And, and it's like a river doesn't just necessarily yeah. always just go straight down. Well, right? there's the, um, they call it the, uh, the vanishing point. What's that? It's like where like the point in like the river where you, you can't see what's where it goes, where it, what's beyond it. It's the vanishing point. It just hmm. seems to disappear into the horizon. Uh. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know if I've, I, I guess, cause I guess, yeah, I guess that happens. Cause like every once in a while, like when you hit a rapid too, like it literally it, it like declines. So like the, yeah. you know, and, um, there's rocks in the middle of the fucking thing, you know, yeah. like, it's not like, it's not always just a clear shot through, like you, you're dodging a big rock in the middle and then there's water that, that gets spun around and goes backwards. And like, you know, I remember when we did it in Colorado and the guy was like warning us about how important it was. If one of us fell out, like what, what had to happen and why this was dangerous because yeah. there was a part where the water sucks you right back under and you can get caught in a loop oh, underwater the and get drowned because it's just going to loop you around underneath. Right. Right. Scaring the hell out of people who have white water rafted. But anyway, you know, for the most part, everybody's careful. You mind, you, you make sure not to fall over. But if, I was in a six person boat. I think it was six or eight. And so we all had to paddle. And so, cause the water's going to shove you somewhere. You're still going down. Yeah. But like where you go down on the rapid is, is like very important. Cause not all parts of the rapid are equally okay to go down. Some, like if you go too far to the right, it could be really bad. If you go too far to the left, it could be bad. If you hit the rock and get spun around and you get sideways and you go over the other side of the next ledge, it could flip you. Yeah. So there's like, you know, and so, yeah, you know, I think like as creatives, when we're navigating our own process, things are going to come up. Motions are going to come up. All things are going to come up. And the thing is, I think what we need to do is we just kind of, you need to deal with them as they come up. Like just cause you can see the river ahead of you doesn't mean you know what it's going to be like when you go through it. Yeah. You know, is another thing I want to say is cause I've been talking a lot about how things are in the vanishing point, they're like behind something, can't see it. But when you're actually in it, you still don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know? So that's another thing to consider, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just another good reminder as to the importance of staying present. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You want to wrap this baby? Yeah. Let's wrap this bad boy up. I feel like, uh, we've, we've covered some good territory. Yeah. We did all right today. I think. Yeah. In spite of not knowing where to start. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, in terms of takeaway, like how, how, how do you feel? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, I can do it. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. say what I'm going to take away here. So I'm, I said earlier, and I, I'm going to do this with this script that I'm working on right now. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to go into that with a certain bit of the unknown and accept that like wherever Matt, when I start picking up writing again is where I'm going to go. And I'm going to be really, really truthful because I'm going to you know, I'm going to sit down tomorrow and start writing it again. So when I do that, I'm going to really just be like, okay, wherever I'm at, it's going to be totally fine. It's going to be totally okay. And I'm going to not, um, do anything other than like first start with that. And then from that place, my intention is to go on a journey with this, with this thing and really like kind of see what happens in the story and allow the story to, to unfold. And also to further this that I've learned from it is to not worry about the result of if it's good or bad or whatever, because I think what has helped me with other stories and even starting the beginning of the story, which I'm really happy with what I wrote in the first like five, six, seven pages was to not worry about doing it badly or poorly or wrong or whatever. And I think, um, I think that's one of the biggest things that stops me sometimes. I just think, yeah. Oh man, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to write shit right now. So instead of like worrying about any of that, I, the only way I'm going to hit this deadline is if I get that one out of the way. So yeah, 
be where I'm at, be okay with that. And then let the story kind of carry me kind of like, you know, um, and, and trust that if I got to paddle myself somewhere that I'll just paddle towards the best direction I know to paddle. And then when I get there, I'll take a look and see what I, what I got. And then I'll make my next decision and I'll just do it moment to moment as opposed to thinking that I need to already be somewhere else on this path before I'm there. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna apply it to my actual art and then maybe that will transfer in my life more so, but yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. I think, I think my sort of, uh, takeaway and integration for, for this conversation is pretty similar and it's interesting. It actually, uh, it kind of comes down to trust, doesn't it? Um, and for me it's, yeah, it's going to be a level of, of telling myself that it's, I'm where I'm supposed to be, you know, when, uh, no matter how I'm feeling, I'm going to tell myself, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be to do this right now. Hmm. Um, and, and to trust that, to not try and change however I'm feeling, but just to, you know, I I think this whole thing with like the water actually, you know, not like I I want to toot my own horn or anything. It was just, you know, a river. The analogy, basically like just the analogy of just being like, you know, just trusting. It's like, no, you're on the water. You're on the water. You're on the inspiration. It's there. Um, and this is where you're supposed to be. This is exactly what's supposed to be happening. So just go. Uh, so I, I think that there's a lot of, yeah, it's about trust and it's about, you know, judgment for me and, and, removing the judgment from wherever I'm at and being where I'm at, trusting it and moving forward. Hmm. Yeah. That's it for me. Okay, cool. Well, it was a good one, Evan. It was Brandon. And now this is the end. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.